Let's open up as we get started this morning and uh, just do a quick, let's do a quick review. And let's see if, uh, I thought it was on. There we go. Who could give me quickly what we study, what we looked at in chapter 1? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. What stands out? Division. What else? What was that? I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Again, just thinking about breaking down the chapter, breaking down what we saw there from divisions. We got uh, into so we so we think about Paul and as as he received the uh, information that he did um, from the household of Chloe. We see there were divisions, and she had written to him. We'll talk about that just again momentarily. Uh, what about chapter 2? What kind of things do we remember of chapter 2? Okay. Not the speaker. It's the message. Faith, again, looking at this, it's not rest in the wisdom of men, but the power of God. So what I'd like for us to do, and we just, as we think about this, as we think about this and we, talked about this as we started on the onset of our of our class look at the first six chapters of first corinthians we see divisions chapter five and again really through chapters one through four fornication in chapter five and those brethren weren't doing anything about it and so we see a discipline problem and then, of course, lawsuits in chapter 6. Then, kind of a switch or turn of the tables a little bit. We see that uh, there might have been something that uh, somebody had, may have written to Paul. They, the brethren may have written to Paul based on the fact when you start with chapter 7 and work your way through chapter, chapters 12, 14, we see him start out with now concerning these things, now concerning things that I wrote to you, now concerning spiritual gifts, now concerning those things given to idols. may have been something that the Corinthian brethren had written to him, and he's responding back to them. And then, of course, uh, there's false teaching on the resurrection in chapter 15, and looking at chapter 16, the collection for the saints. Um, First Corinthians chapter three this morning. I want to kind of look at these things and want to kind of highlight as we as we think about chapter three. Just before I get into chapter three, I just want to kind of go over just a few things that Matt kind of laid the groundwork for us uh, with uh, last Lord's Day. Um, 
What was causing strife and division? Okay. Bottom kind of root cause, pride. And, and I think Matt did a really good job bringing out the fact that, you know, where was their faith? Men, men. Paul, Peter, Paulus. And they identified, their foundation was identified with worldly wisdom. And each person uh, chose basically what they want or what they need. And that resulted in division, strife, and jealousy. But where should their faith have been? Okay? The gospel of Christ. Their foundation should have been in God. Supplied everything they needed to be saved. And the results were unity, the same mind, the same judgment. That's what should have happened. But again, we see that these brethren... You know, and again, looking back at what we recognize as far as this city, uh, the city of Corinth. You know, at that time, there was a lot of things... A lot of philosophers that come to the city, a lot of worldly wisdom, rhetoric. A lot of individuals would bring in uh, something that they held or that they proclaimed, and people would hook on to that. And if you think back to for chapter 1, and we looked, at, uh, we looked at what the household of Chloe had sent to Paul and the things that concerned that she brought, the concerns that she brought to him. When you think about an individual, you know, in here, in, these, in this case, these preachers, that brethren were taking sides are actually looking and saying, well, you know, I, I was baptized by Apollos. I was baptized by Paul. And they were resting. They were putting their stock. They were putting everything they had in those brethren, in those individuals, rather than what? The truth. Message, absolutely, and that's uh, again, and and I and I guess when I when I think about that, when I ask us this question, is it possible for us to do that? Around, uh, they have their uh, their. Um, they wear certain things they shouldn't wear. They work, They have their little idols and their little statues that they put their hope in and that they say, well, it's a remnant of God, so that's okay for me to worship that instead of God. Or it makes me feel good to do this, so it's okay. People have been doing it since the beginning of time. Okay. Is it possible for us to... And, and I guess I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put these guys on the spot, David and Leland. Is it possible, you know, we, we have two evangelists that work with us. Is it possible for us to look at, pick sides? I mean, I'm, I'm serious. When I think about, and, and let me tell you a story. I remember I was a young boy. We uh, would go to my grandparents, and, and this, was, uh, been, this has been many years ago. Um, but I remember one Sunday... We went there for lunch. They were, they were actually very, I say, strong Baptist. That's where they attended. 
until they passed away. They, even in all the, the times that we worked with them to try to get them to come to come to the Lord and come to the truth, just it never worked. But I'll never forget this one thing. We got there, and a lot of times and they may be, we may be there after getting out of services where we attended, and we might sit in the driveway or start working our way up to the covered patio because they may be late getting home from services, but they were there. And I remember my grandmother telling my, he's, my dad, we walked in, and my dad said, wow, you know, it's, uh, didn't expect to see you all here, not, not, not at this point in time. And she said to him, well, Paul wasn't preaching today. They had a, they had a fill-in. Now, this just was like a blinking red light to me when I heard her say that. Now that I've studied this and I've looked at this through the years, it's very possible. And I don't mean just from a preacher standpoint. You know, again, I'm picking on Leland David. I mean that with all due respect and all due kindness. But I want to say this. You know, think about what you see happen during the political season. We see people that people will side with. We'll see people who, who actually put their lock, stock, and barrel in, in an individual. Now, whether that individual is carrying the torch they need to be carrying and they need to be, you know, but people become emphatic. They become strong and indignant about how they follow an individual, who you should vote for. And again, you think about how somebody's rhetoric or somebody has a message that they proclaim, somebody likes it, and they hook onto it. And nobody can under, undermine that. Nobody can take that away from them. And that can happen in our spiritual world. You know, we can, we can rest on the individual rather than the message. And that's what I, this morning, you know, I want to, again, make sure we understand that this gospel Paul talks to these brethren about is not philosophy. It's not rhetoric. It's not worldly wisdom, but it's where our faith, it's where their faith, it's where our faith should lie, should rest. When we, when we looked at, so far, the first chapter, the second chapter, and we're getting ready to get into the third chapter, we, we remember, remember us talking about the word of the cross and how that's foolish. It's foolish. Again, thinking about, and we're going to get into chapter three here momentarily, again, the same process occurs the same thought process in some ways when we think about foolishness. You know, I I find the terminology sometimes that Paul uses in here, it's almost, and again, I kind of use it like a tongue twister, but you have to really kind of think and digest it a minute to realize, you know, how do we, how do we, how is he telling the Corinthian brethren we're going to, again, we'll get to that shortly. How is he telling the Corinthian brethren that they needed to be fools? That's what, I'm sorry? The eyes of the world. You know, when you think about that, many times when we think about someone walking a certain way or proclaiming a certain message, we think about those things that may erode away or that it's if it's not based on truth people follow it but we need to recognize that our foundation and we're going to again talk about that momentarily as well that our foundation needs to be such that 
we can, our faith can rely on it. Our faith can be, can be based on that. And Paul, when he opened up chapter 2, those were some things I think that he wanted to make sure that he did so that, what did he say in verse 5? That their faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And he did that by not choosing and using lofty speech, not being an individual who, you know, or, or wisdom, um, intentionally taught nothing but Jesus and him crucified. You know, he didn't come in there with rhetoric or he didn't come in there with a, with a mission or something of his own agenda. But he came in there with the, the agenda based on Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he was with them in weakness, fear, and trembling in, in verse 3 of, of, this, of the second chapter. And that focus demonstrated the spirit and the power and not words of wisdom of men, but wisdom and words of God. So as we get into this morning, as we get into chapter 3, um, I don't know why I keep wanting to point it to that, Lee. I'm, I'm, I know it's back there. I want us to think about this as we open, open, up our, open up chapter 3 and we think about where Paul is with these brethren this morning. Um, let's, look at, uh, let's look at verse 1. As we start, and our brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. Verse 2, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not able. I'm going to stop right there at verse 2. How long had these brethren... Been Christians, Rough, roughly, okay, over a year and a half. Now, I'm going to ask you this, and, and and maybe this is a tough one. Maybe maybe, and, and I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot here. Should these brethren, in a year and a half, should they have still been infants, as Paul refers to them? What do you think? And, and I can too. I mean, you know, and, and that's really what I thought about too was where they came from. Where, you know, at the same time, at the same time, I feel like, you know, there should have been something that Paul would have seen. Again, I'm, I think in a year and a half. I, and, and and let me let me let me ask you this: Is it possible for us to baptize a seventy year old man? And and I'm going to put him on the spot. And I don't know how old he is, but John and Glenda had worked with Sherman Reed, and he obeyed the gospel recently. Is he considered a babe in Christ? Yeah. 
Would we consider him a babe in Christ? I see head shaking, yes. Why would we do that? What does he not have yet? Knowledge. What else comes to mind about that? Yeah, testing. You know, he, he's been at every assembly till like recently. He's because of his illness. But, you know, I think about an individual of that age who's recently obeyed the gospel. And here's a time frame that his brethren rally around him and help him, encourage him, strengthen him to become stronger and better in his walk. But you know, a lot of times when we don't realize sometimes, and again, going back to as Bill indicated, the, the baggage that what somebody brings from their past that could influence how somebody might continue to grow, somebody might continue to prosper. But I think when I see Paul saying, I could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as men of the flesh, carnal, as infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you're not able, for you're still fleshly. For since there's jealousy, verse 3, and strife among you, you are, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I'm of Paul, and another says, I'm of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I'm going to stop at verse 5. And I want us to think about this for just a second. I want us to think about a little bit of this difference in carnality, carnal versus spiritual. We think about someone being a babe in Christ, someone who is an infant, an, an infant in Christ. Now, I can think of two types of infants when I think of babes in Christ. I, th- I think of an individual that has just responded to the gospel and is a new Christian. That's a babe in Christ. Again, several have talked about they don't have the knowledge. They're still, they're still in, in those early learning stages. But how about somebody who maybe has been a Christian for 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, 35 years, 40 years, 45 years? Is it possible that that individual still obeyed? I think whenever I, I consider someone, and again, looking over, and I'm going to just flip really quick over here to Hebrews chapter 5. And again, along this same line, I'm going to look at, uh, start with verse 12. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, 
you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. You know, the writer here, and, and again, I speculate it may have been Paul, don't know that for sure, but you know, again, as he writes to the Corinthian brother here in the first, chap- the first part of chapter 3, the writer here talks about, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. Now, I don't know what he actually is referring to when it comes to, but there's something that he saw with regard to these, this writing. And the, incur- the admonishment, I guess, that he gives is that there's a time frame where there should have been growth. Now, I'm going to ask you this as well with regard to growth. And we see here, carnal would take milk and look across the page to spiritual and they would take meat or solid food. They're unable to receive solid food on the other side, but they're able to receive that on the spiritual side. They walk as mere men. They walk as spiritual men. Do we understand the difference and the contrast that's being shown that, that I'm displaying here? Yes, sir. As, Do you not see this as a comparison of Jesus' teaching about the sower? Sure, parable of the sower. Here, here there's thorny ground and the Corinthians are being choked by all these things going on around them. Absolutely. All the new ships coming in with new ideas and new philosophies and new this but those who have been asking these questions perhaps Paul's teaching has fallen on good ground and has taken root and causing them to be more interested in what's truth than those of the thorny sort yeah absolutely good good point when I think about you think about carnal, you think about pertaining to flesh, or you think about appetite, sensual, non-spiritual, merely human. You think about one as a baby, immature, not fully developed, a child, a baby. Milk. You know, would we, we, we wouldn't even contemplate some of the, the new little ones that we've, we've had here at Northfield. Just throw a big burger in front of them the next time, you know, when they're six months old two months old. Why do we give them? Why do we give them milk? Because that's what their body's capable of handling at that time. But would we consider a child who was still on milk at five years old, never been introduced to meat, never been introduced to solid food, would you say there's a problem? No? What do you think? Okay. Yeah, I mean, and, and, I, and I guess I'm asking you that this morning to think about. And then I'm going to really pinpoint and focus in on one other quick question. Are you drinking milk? Are you eating solid food? 
am I? I mean, we need to all ask ourselves. Paul's saying to these brethren, this is a church at Corinth, and he's saying to these brethren, I can't talk to you like I should be able to. I can't do that because you don't understand. You can't handle what I need to tell you. If Paul walked into Northfield, would he say that about us? I, mean, I, I think it's something we need to really think about when it comes to not that we're a blinking light here and that we are set ourselves on a pedestal, but God, does God not expect us to grow? I mean, when I look at, when I look at Hebrews chapter 5, and that writer says there's a time that you ought to have been in this position, but you can't teach. So somebody's got to teach you. You've not, you're in a position where you should not be. And I believe Paul's telling these brethren that. And, and, and I'm, you know, I, I think, again, because of his love, I mean, think about the household of Chloe, bringing this to his attention. Could Paul not have said to these brethren, I don't know what to do for you. But that's not how he approached that. That's not how he dealt with them. He loved them. He recognized their soul. He recognized, as, again, as Bill, and I think that's something we need to recognize. Where do they come from? What's, what's their past? Trying to get rid of your past and your baggage. I mean, I dealt with people in law enforcement for nearly 20 years, and I can tell you those individuals that were trying to get back on the straight and narrow, so to speak, and I use that term, would get back to their lives being as they should be productive, influential individuals in society, their past, many of them, came back to haunt them. Came back to haunt them. They could not just let that go. And I think, again, when we see here that we've got, we've got brethren here at the church of Corinth that are in this state of carnality, I also think it's important that we understand that we can come in here every Lord's Day, every time the building is open for a service, whether that's a gospel meeting, whether that's Bible study, whether that's the Lord's Day worship service, and maybe even two times on Sunday. Do we, when we think about that, do we come in here and sit down and we go through an hour, maybe two this morning. We start at 9.30 and we usually are wrapping up around 11.30 and many are starting to head out around noon. But, but my question is, are we growing? Are we stagnant? It's important, I think, for us to understand. And then moving to the spiritual side, we see Mature, full-grown, fully developed, or developing. Because I would say in the spiritual growth, again, I'm looking at the word mature versus the word when, I, you, know, when you get back to a babe or somebody that's immature. You think about an individual who is developing or at least moving in that direction. Continual growth through practice of having their senses trained to be able to discern good and evil, as we read from Hebrews chapter 5. Know the difference between right and wrong. I can tell you there's people that I've seen who've been Christians for years, 
and they don't know how to discern right and wrong. They don't know how to discern what's good, what, what they should do, evil, good from evil. Something's wrong, and we need to look within ourselves and say, hey, you know, I need to take a hold of this. Am I eating solid food? Can I handle the more advanced, the more, the deeper subjects that are related to, to spirituality? Am I able to, if somebody asks me a certain question if I'm out here, and, you know, and again, that's not to say we have to all be that, but I think we all need to be in a position to where we are working to be better today than we were yesterday when it comes to what God expects of his Christians and, and, and for us to grow. Able to receive the solid food, the growth and maturity will allow one to move from basic milk principles to meat, to solid food. Walking as spiritual men according to God and walk after God's commands and precepts. Any questions? Any disagreement about that? Anything at all? Any concerns? I mean, again, I, this is something when I think about, this is something I need to ask myself. Where am I at in my spiritual realm? Where am I at in my walk with the Lord? And I, do I feel as though in that process I can do better? I hope I can always say that I can. But I think sometimes it's easy for us to, to think, okay, David's going to get up this morning and he's going to give us, give us a, present a lesson and I'm going to come in here and I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going, I'm going to be, I was here, I'm going to be a part of the service, and then I'm, then I'm gone the rest of the week. And I'm going to let him put that worm, little baby bird, put that worm in my mouth, spiritual worm in my mouth, and, and I'm going to digest that, and I'm going to, I'm going to go home, and that's going to, that'll suffice me for the week. I'm afraid, I'm, I'm, I'm serious, I'm afraid sometimes people can do that and have a thought process that works like that. And we've got to be careful with that. We got to really think about what God expects of us. We're his children. And I don't think we can be individuals. And, and again, please let me clarify this because I know I'm going to get beat up after services. I'm not saying that, that I see people here like that. But I'm telling you, it's possible for all of us. It's possible for me to be that way. It's possible. If I don't watch my walk and I don't think about how I'm growing and I don't think about what, how I stand before my God, as Paul was bringing out to these brethren. And what did he say to them that made them worldly? What did he say to them? Leanne, I see your hand back there, and I'll be with you momentarily. What did he say? And this is where I think it's important that we realize it doesn't have to be something that occurs that is, you know, again, we talked about divisions. We talked about strife. He talks about that when it comes to, when we, when we look at strife and jealousy, as he brings out here. This is why they were still human. This is why they were still, from a worldly standpoint, and not able, because they're fighting amongst each other about who's the best. I follow Apollos, and boy, let me tell you, is he an eloquent speaker? And do we know that he was? Brian brought that out several times when we talked about that back in Acts. This was an eloquent speaker. He probably could, I mean, you probably said, and I've just wondered this, when you sat at the feet of Apollos, you probably, he may have had your ear, but then there may have been somebody else, maybe, maybe Paul. Maybe he wasn't quite that speaker because he says, I don't come to you with these words, these lofty speech. I brought you Jesus Christ. 
And I think it's important that we, we, that we realize that we can be in those kind of, that kind of a status position and uh, not even realize it. Leanne. I just wanted to say, um, as far as these people went, um, they were so envious, envious or carnal-minded, they forgot. You know, who gives that preacher the power to, to stand in for, before you and give the gospel? It's God. And um, as for the envy and the striving, and I've seen this throughout my life where somebody will idolize a preacher or a person over the gospel and it destroys the church. It absolutely destroys it. Because when that person makes a mistake or maybe is doing something that's not biblical, they won't correct the person. And I've always said to this, if you love somebody's soul, you're going to help them no matter if they're your preacher, your elder, or just another member. And I've experienced this myself where I wasn't quite mature when I came back to the church. I needed help with some stuff. I had people come to my house and guide me and help me understand things better, and I grow. And so when I meet somebody who has left the church or who has problems with the church, all I say is, are you going for people or are you going for the gospel? It's that simple. Appreciate that. Yes. Back to Old Testament example after example after example, whether it's, um, you know, in the book of Judges, um, where the people were strong when they had a leader, when they knew what they were supposed to do, and then that judge died off, and you see time and time again they returned. Or during the time of the prophets, you think about Hosea, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. You'd have a generation that would come up and that would do what was right, and then they didn't do, they didn't maybe raise up the following generation the way they're supposed to. And I think that we can fall into the same trap. Sure. You know, we might be here as, as adults like we're supposed to, but if we're not growing and maturing and raising our children up like we should and teaching them like we should, there's going to be that same fall off potentially. And yeah. so we need to make sure that we're challenging ourselves and, and growing and maturing so that we can raise up the next generation. Yeah. to be the people they need to be in the next generation. Um, because if we're not doing it, then there's a, a good chance that we'll follow the same pattern we see in the Old Testament. Absolutely. Yeah, good point. Yeah, Brian. I'd like to make a little bit of a distinction between the idea of being a babe or being, a, being spiritually mature, or spiritual, I should say. Going back to the last part of chapter 2, the idea he talked about that uh, this natural man would not receive those things of the Spirit of God in verse 14. I think he's making a contrast between being spiritually minded or not being, you know, being carnally minded. So then he brings up the idea of carnally minded in verse 1 of chapter 3. I think if one word describes these people, they're carnally minded. You can be both. You can be carnally minded and babes, but you can also be like maybe the 
the Bereans, we might think of the Bereans, they were certainly babes in Christ, but I don't think Paul describes them as being carnally minded because of the way they received, they hungered and thirsted after the word of God. So I'd like to make a distinction between those two. We, it can be one or the other, but I think by, by and large, the Corinthians were really carnally minded. That's their big, big problem. Absolutely. Good point. Appreciate it, Brian. It all just came up on me. As we look at the uh, next part of this chapter, chapter 3, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants of whom you believed, through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I think what Paul is starting to do here and what he's trying to convey to these brethren is that what is Apollos? What is Paul? And what's he say? Servants. Ministers. Servant. We think about a deacon. A deacon's a servant. We think about an individual whom, through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God causes the growth, causes the increase. Now he who plants, he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we're God's fellow workers. You're God's field, God's building. You know, I think for us to, for, for us to understand, you know, and, 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 and for, for what he says here, he uses a couple of examples. He uses an example of, of, a, of a farmer. He uses an example of agriculture. Individual, and we, and we can all relate to that. If we, put a, if we have a garden, put a garden out, you can think about planting seed. And then watering that seed or praying that the, the, the sky will open up and the Lord will water that. But ultimately, he gives the increase. He, he, God is the one that would give that increase. And what Paul, I think, again, he looks then and he talks about this master. He talks about this master builder. He talks about an individual that lays a foundation. He talks about an individual uh, for others to build on that foundation. It's important for us, to, I think, to recognize, and what Paul was trying to get to these brethren to recognize was that the men that you're hanging everything on are messengers. They're messengers sent by God. They're messengers. And these individuals are servants. And don't, don't place that type of emphasis on those individuals. Again, no man can lay a foundation, verse 11, other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. If any man builds on the foundation, verse 12, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will be evident, for the day will show it, because it's to be revealed with fire. I think what he's saying here, if we look at verse 12, 13, I think that uh, when he talks about each man's work will be evident for the day, I think that's, again, from, from my study, I believe that's talking about the day of judgment. When God imparts judgment, each one are, are going to, <clears throat> each one are going to, 
to, you know, these things are going to be revealed. And it talks about with fire. And I don't think it's talking about hell, but I think it's talking about judgment. It's talking about God and how God can, will reveal these things. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Individuals who are busy going about teaching and preaching, these are, these are good things. And each man's work becomes evident for the day will show it. Revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work, which has been built on, it remains, it will receive a reward. If any man's work's burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. Now, he's going to get into this next part. We're going to have to shut down because we've got people coming in. But the last part of this, he's going to talk about, and and he talks about the, uh, and, and I'm going to leave some of this, for next week, we'll kind of recap here, but he's going to talk about, you know, and again, I got behind on my slide there, but uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is not boasting in men, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up with that next Lord's Day. Thank you very much for your comments and for your participation this morning.